You know something is wrong. You can see it all around you. You're wondering how things got to this point. Good is called evil and evil is called good. You want to truly know why we got to the brink of the abyss. Can't just be told. You must see it for yourself. I'm Scipio Eruditus, and this is Dispatches from Reality. Hello, hello, my dispatchers, my listeners. I am your author, your narrator, your host, Scipio Eruditus. And today's essay is one of those, really one of the essays I consider the cornerstones of my work, a, a, a very, very important, crucially important topic. Um, and that, you know, once we explore, I think you'll, you'll see and realize here, um, really the depth, the profundity of the, the agenda that we face here. You know, Psalm 2 states that the, the kings of the earth conspire against the Lord, against his anointed, that being Christ, obviously. And as we will find out in this essay, as the actions of our regime, particularly the American government, uh, makes abundantly clear, this is a, a millennia-long agenda, a millennia-long operation, and what we call spycraft, mind control, uh, projects like MK Ultra, MK Often, uh, these are nothing less than the oldest black magics brought into the modern era. Uh, really, it is a. It's one of these. It's one of these topics that, for. Those of you less inclined to believe in the spiritual realm, to believe in spiritual matters, uh, I'm sure this is going to be hard for some of those folks to swallow. But the reality is, is that we do live in a spiritual realm, and our battlefield is a spiritual one, uh, first and foremost. And so that's just an inescapable reality. Our enemy knows that. Um, if we refuse to operate under that paradigm, then we will continue to lose. If we think that the battlefield is at, you know, the voting box or on a battlefield, a physical battlefield, and of course, you know, I'm not a pacifist. There's a time and place for everything. But, you know, as the good book says, time for peace, a time for war. But our war, first and foremost, is and always has been a spiritual one. And the regime has, for decades now, really mastered the mental subversion, degradation, um, what some would call the programming of the human mind. Now, as we're going to explore in this essay, and as the documentation really is just kind of unequivocal on this, uh, the idea that mind control is just an impossibility, that there's no way, too hard, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, these are just not, really just not true <laughs> in any sense of the word, right? We have uh, not just a a great body of governmental evidence, of leaked whistleblowers, of survivors, of real events, right? I mean, look at the events of uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., or not Jr., but Robert F. Kennedy, the uh, senior, rather. His assassination, Sirhan Sirhan, clearly a prototype 
an MK Ultra, uh, you know, Project Monarch victim. And now personally, you know, as well, I'm going to get into this in some of my, you know, some other later essays here when we touch on the Kennedy assassinations, plural. Um, that, you know, the whole Robert F. Kennedy one just really absolutely stinks. Um, if you're interested in exploring that, Miles Mathis has a great essay on it. But long, long and short of it is, um, the photos are clearly doctored. Uh, the entire scene is just ridiculous in the extreme that the social, you know, that the, uh, the Secret Service, rather, would just allow someone like that to get in. Th I mean, some of the pictures taken after he, you know, shot Kennedy in the head are just so ridiculous in the extreme, right? Such a lack of viscera or anything, lighting angles, totally terrible. I mean, just, just a really obviously bad, badly done paste-up job, you know? So, but this is just still evident throughout these assassinations. We have had this kind of activity. Uh, we have had the ability to break down people in this fashion. And uh, MKUltra is, you know, perhaps the most famous government program of this type. And, you know, some of the documents, some of the books that we're going to cover in this essay and in the series, a, uh, you know, in the first part of this two-part series, we're going to cover, you know, going to cover some of these books, but I'm, uh, it's hard to find a really good proper treatment of MKUltra. Um, you know, there is a, and I'm not just talking about it from the spiritual angle, but to, you know, a lot of the books written on it, uh, about it, there is, you know, frankly, they're just, they're fairly sanitized. Uh, not that they don't get into the nitty gritty of it, right? But that we pretend that this wasn't a very long government run and orchestrated operations at the highest levels of the CIA. This wasn't, you know, rogue agents gone amok. This was the director of the CIA. This was the deputy director of the CIA. They are the ones who compartmentalized MKUltra. We'll get into that in part two of this series, you know. But suffice it to say, there wasn't just, you know, some rogue actors gone amok, which is what most of these mainstream MKUltra books and narratives, I mean, that's what they're peddling for you, right? Um, it's just obviously a big load of crap. <laughs> obviously. As we continue to see these similar operations run, they're just, they just change the name. That's all that happened here. They change the name. They're doing the exact same thing. If you think operations like MKUltra, if you think Project Mockingbird ended right in the 70s, then uh, I just point you towards uh, CIA dropout Tucker Carlson and Andrew, you know, uh, or uh, what's his face? Anderson Cooper, rather. Uh, Anderson Vilder Vanderbilt. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a whole interesting bloodline. These programs don't end, okay? They just change their names, and the government continues to do this stuff. And uh, this is just a, a topic that is really, once you explore the government documents, explore the issue, uh, even some of the more, really some of the, some of the more outlandish topics um, that I, you know, thought formerly, right, uh, Stuff like telekinesis, remote viewing. Uh, I mean, that's a great place to start, actually, right? Uh, the first document here in the further research section, uh, we have an evaluation of remote viewing research and applications by the American Institute for Research, or AIR, AIR. Now, AIR is a... <laughs> man, AIR is a pretty interesting 
little nonprofit, quote unquote, organization. So, for a long time here, the decades, generations, the government has formed out most of their spying, most of their the testing and surveillance of humanity happens through these nonprofit organizations, right? And so, AIR has been uh, mostly involved in behavioral social science research and has uh, had a long-running surveillance of uh, about 400,000 high school students across the U.S. for, you know, over 50 years, right? So, a very long-running data set, a very large data set, right? And this is a company started by uh, John C. Flanagan, very influential, famous uh, Air Force psychologist, uh, aviation psychologist. And so, this is a man who... After leaving the military, starts this nonprofit organization in Arlington, Virginia, which, you know, of course, if you know anything about the DC area, we are, <laughs> you are a stone's throw away from the CIA headquarters. And I mean, we don't even have to, again, we don't have to like question whether this is a CIA cutout. I mean, they were writing documents for the CIA. This document I got linked here, it's from the CIA, you know, archives, right? I mean, the government releases a, a crazy amount of stuff, and you know, obviously, you got to take what they're saying with a grain of salt here. I mean, you can see the connections, and you can see the, the web, right? I mean, this is, and again, that whole, the American Institutes for Research, so they got bought out. They got bought out by a couple companies. Currently, they're owned by Cambium Learning Group, which uh, snatched up a bunch of other smaller companies, including Kurzweil Education. Now, Kurzweil Education, of course, founded by Ray Kurzweil, a huge luminary in the transhumanist movement. So, I mean, we're just a couple de degrees, right, in any different direction. These, <laughs> the regime has, for a long time, focused on these kinds of data sets. I mean, that's what, uh, you know, it's not just the, the dumbing down of the populace and, uh, you know, your multiple choice test, right? It's a... Uh, really just a very insidious form of, of teaching and learning, right? It's just a, a rote memorization instead of, any, instead of any kind of critical thinking. And so, beyond that, uh, that very insidious nature of, uh, you know, I think modern schooling and modern testing, uh, you have the, the data mining capabilities of these groups. And so, why an organization like the American Institute for Research is doing evaluations on these kinds of topics? That's a great question, right? Apparently, not just some benign education nonprofit. So, all throughout this document, we have very specific protocols, procedures for remote viewing, which I'll cover, you know, more in depth in the essay. But again, some of these things, right? If we are not working under a spiritual paradigm, I really don't know how to explain some of this stuff. Because you, you can't explain it through elect, you know, any kind of EMF field, right? Or EMF sensitivity. I mean, we had people that were put in EMF-shielded rooms, I mean, with just a staggering amount of consistency. And so this is one of the things, right? So like in the documents, they'll say, oh, hey, well, it's not feasible, you know, so we should shut down these programs. And people will point at these documents and say like, hey, well, you know what? Yeah, remote viewing, it's just hooey, right? The government shut down all the programs for it. Okay, well, why does the... Why does the Navy still have Psy Warfare units? Why does the Army still have Psy Warfare units? <laughs> okay? If it's so crappy, 
I mean, on the one hand, they'll say, yeah, we had 70% higher. I mean, uh, Samsung's done research into this phenomenon. One of the more interesting angles of this whole thing, right? But remote viewing, I think there's a, there is a very real phenomenon going on. And obviously, I would describe spiritual forces for some of this stuff. Uh, but suffice it to say, one of the angles, the severely underreported angles of MKUltra. So next up here, we have remote viewing protocols, uh, an unknown author, but uh, uh, essentially same thing here, right? Very specific instructions on how to run remote viewing, how the Russians, uh, who also did some experiments into this, uh, how they ran them. And, uh, you know, you see, you see this stuff in the media, you see it in, you know, Stranger Things now, and, and people see it in TV, right? And they're like, oh, hey, well, you know, I saw it in TV. There's no way this is true, you know, because I saw also all sorts of crazy monsters and, you know... <laughs> I mean, this is part of the, the beautiful part of the, the predictive programming, the desensitizing of people to these, these concepts. So the next time you see something like this, that, you know, I think legitimately the government is doing and has the capability of doing, um, you just think it's a fantasy. So next up here, we have Secret Agent 666, Alistair Crowley, British Intelligence, and The Occult by Richard B. Spence. Uh, this is one of those books where it's just, man, I... I can't recommend this book highly enough. Um, seriously, a, a, a you know, kind of a hard book to get a hold of now. You know, paperback. If you can grab a copy of this, I, I you know, snatch it up because this is a uh, jam-packed with footnotes, other great books to explore afterwards. Um, but a very fascinating look at the life of Aleister Crowley, his ties to British intelligence. Um, obviously, exploring his uh, occult adventures. Uh, but the really fascinating thing about this book, Secret Agent 666, and what I explore in uh, one of the Frankenstein formula essays, I forget, is that uh, Aleister Crowley is an integral part of the sinking of the Lusitania. He plays a huge role in the German spy ring and uh, some other, you know, spy rings that are going on here, right? Huge part in the targeting of the Lusitania, a ship known to carry American passengers, but also illegally shipping arms during that same time. So, I mean, it is, yeah, Al Alistair Crowley, part of one of the most successful psyops of the 20th century. I mean, that, that guy got around. He got around. And Secret Agent 666, I mean, yeah, just stellar, stellar book. If you don't read, I think you should make an exception for that one because it's, uh, and there's so many other different avenues and so many other characters that we'll see popping up at other places. You know, I mean, he was really just, uh, I think the, in my opinion, the most prolific and influential cultists of the last 300 years. Next up here, we got Poisoner-in-Chief, Sidney Gottlieb, and the CIA Search for Mind Control by Stephen Kinzer. Um, you know, A... It's a, it's a fairly good book, you know, look at Gottlieb and the experiments and what he was running. Uh, but again, you know, I, I have the same problem that I was talking about earlier is that, you know, with a lot of these MK Ultra books is that it, it's made to seem like Gottlieb, uh, that he's the one who went too far and that it was basically it was Gottlieb's fault that MK Ultra got so crazy, you know, so, as Gottlieb was the head of, of the program. Um, but as you'll see in this essay that's just not 
This is not the reality, okay? Gottlieb and Dulles were both occultists. They were two peas in a pod. This is not, uh, he was just following orders. I mean, to pretend otherwise is, yeah, naivety of the highest order. Next up here, we got Secrets and Lies, a history of CIA mind control and germ warfare by Thomas Gordon. Uh, man, uh, exceptional, exceptional look at the history of mind control um, and a more in-depth look at, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of those mind control uh, topics and projects uh, that I mentioned earlier, such as Project Monarch. Um, I mean, again, this is a goal that the mystery religion has been working on for millennia. I think mind control is just the modern form of that. That's the sanitized word for what is potioned and black magic. I mean, and sometimes literally, as we're seeing, you know? Next up here, we have Operation Paperclip, the secret intelligence program that brought Nazi scientists to America by Annie Jacobson. Uh, my criticism is the same, right? Uh, you know, I've, I like Annie Jacobson's books, but she, you know, still, she parrots a lot of the, the line that all these mainstream, you know, historians, right? You know, they will, they'll divulge a lot of stuff, you know, like any good limited hangout, they will entice you with a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of juicy stuff, right? And then they'll pull their punch. Oh, is this, you know, oh, it was just this person or this official, you know, it was just Dulles, you know, he was just a Nazi sympathizer. No, no, no. As, <laughs> as, uh, as we've explored quite extensively, you know, on this publication, that's, uh, these are kind of the practiced lies that are trotted out here. So I'm not going to belabor it too much. Uh, I've, I think hit that one enough. Next up here, we have Egyptian Ideas of the Future Life by E.A. Wallace Budge. And then lab, uh, lastly here, we have Egyptian Magic by E.A. Wallace Budge as well. Uh, so two uh, looks um, at, you know, obviously, uh, the Egyptian magic, rituals, um, some of their ideas uh, of the afterlife, because it's, it's very integral as part of their rituals. Um, you know, and this is a very common motif and theme amongst, uh, you know, ancient rituals, and that is of the power of blood, of the, you know, that blood carried an extra power, an extra potency, and so through the consummation of it, through various other factors, preservation of, uh, you know, organs and whatnot, uh, you know, different organs had di different uses, different potencies. Anyways. If you're interested in Egyptology, if you're interested in exploring some of the, uh, you know, some of the occult rituals and magic rituals of the Egyptian kingdoms, uh, I highly recommend uh, Mr. Budge's book on those topics. And so, just a little bit of housekeeping before we move on to the essay. We have a couple of new paying subscribers in the last week here. Uh, no public comments, uh, but I just want to give them a shout out and thank them uh, if they are listening. Likewise, for those of you who comment on iTunes or Spotify, whatever program or platform that you're on, uh, make sure you're liking, subscribing, the five stars, all that good stuff. It uh, helps the growth of this publication and really i am uh, i'm relying on you the listeners to share this 
information. If you think it's valuable, if you think there is someone in your life uh, that uh, needs to hear this, uh, I encourage you to spread it around, right? Because, yeah, um, social media is truly its DARPA Skinner box. And uh, the less we play around in that little puddle, uh, the better, personally, uh, I think we're going to be. So, yeah, I mean, word of mouth, spreading of the message, um, that is, that's how we grow. So, appreciate you guys doing your part and for uh, all the support I've received so far. And then lastly, we are releasing uh, my first book in about a month here, The Anatomy of a Revolution series, being collated into a book. Ton of great features. We've got the audiobook version coming as well. There's a digital version already. I'm going to be sending out a release about some of this information in the next couple of weeks here, or you know, the next week. So if you're a paying subscriber, uh, I don't paywall any of my content, but uh, I do want to you know provide some value to you guys. So um, the paying subscribers, I'll be sending out a message pretty soon here in the next week, where you guys will be receiving that free PDF copy. Uh, ahead of release schedule. So big thanks to those who do support the show in that manner. So without further ado, I will be reading from my March 6th, 2023 essay, Black Ops and Black Magic, Part 1. Despite being one of the most well-documented and discussed periods of history, the true roots of the French Revolution and Napoleonic era remains largely obscured. As this book will make abundantly clear, that is no mere accident. Discover the conspiracy at the heart of one of the bloodiest eras in human history, in Anatomy of a Revolution, the true story of the French Revolution and Napoleonic Wars, by Scipio Eruditus. Available exclusively at thefirmamentalpodcast.com. Quote, Magic is the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with the will. Alistair Crowley. End quote. The impact that the mystery religion has had on our lives and on our history can scarcely be reckoned. Due to the babalizing of cultures with the fall of Nimrod's primus ordo seclorum, the first order of the ages, these stories and practices reveal themselves across creation. The historical tropes of medicine men and witch doctors, of a higher and elite class inculcated in these mystery practices of witchcraft and alchemy, exists for a reason. It has evidenced itself across disparate continents and pagan religions, continually popping up in a diverse range of human cultures. The creation of ziggurats and pyramids across the earth attests to the historical veracity of the Genesis narrative. On every continent that humans inhabit, ancient pyramids and ziggurats appear. In Asia, Africa, Oceania, Europe, North, and South America, archaeologists have found the ruins of these monuments to the dark lord of this world. 
The most effective tool the enemy has deployed against the world has been convincing the vast majority of the populace it doesn't even exist. When one recognizes the veracity of these unseen forces of spiritual warfare, that belief necessitates an acknowledgement in an entity outside oneself, even if it is a pagan one. Propagators of the modern age, the age of so-called reason, have whitewashed these truths in an effort to cover up the voluminous evidence of their long list of heinous crimes. Our civilized, quote-unquote, societies have rationalized all the wonder and majesty out of life, with humanity now reduced to a cosmic accident. A jumped-up primordial goo who conquered the unfathomable galactic odds. Such grounds are fertile soil for Luciferian weeds to grow. Modern Freemasonry and its offshoots, such as the Ordo Templi Orientis or Wicca, are indelibly tied to these mystery religions. Once we analyze the rituals and practices of these mystery cults throughout history, the long-running influence of these ancient progenitors can clearly be seen. The ancient mystery rites continue to show themselves in the rituals of their modern-day adherents. The modern lineage of this Luciferian mystery religion can be seen all around us, and its predominant strains draw their influences from Egyptian rituals and alchemy. It's not just their symbols and motifs that they have adopted, but many of their rituals and practices as well. It is from these same fetid roots that our national security apparatus, War Inc., was born. Birthed by men baptized in the dark rites of Mystery Babylon and well-versed in her pharmacia. Pictured as the Egyptian room from the Grand Lodge of Ireland in Dublin. The Egyptians were famed within the ancient world for the intricacy and interlocking symbolism associated with their religious rituals. It is one of the reasons why Masons revere these symbols and rituals to this day. Their alchemical feats were groundbreaking, with Egypt being the first nation to develop chemical distillation. Their meticulous record-keeping and attention to detail has led to the preservation of many of these ancient recipes, rituals, and spells. The ancient Egyptians were masters of symbolism and the dramatic ritual. These rites live on in the Masonic initiation, cornerstone, and burial rituals we see today. Manly P. Hall, a 33rd degree Freemason, and other Masonic historians attest to the historical and symbolic influence that these occult rituals had on their fraternity. As Hall describes in the Lost Keys of Freemasonry, quote, If the identity of the Osiris and Hiramic myths be accepted, that of Nimrod, then the Book of the Dead is the open sesame of symbolic masonry, revealing a hidden beauty beneath the rituals, an unsuspected splendor in the symbols, and a divine purpose actuating the whole of Masonic procedure. The Book of the Dead is a treasure house of Masonic lore to those who can realize that the ancient work has a significant meaning throughout. End quote. As Hall and other occultists reveal through their veneration, of Egyptian symbolism, the rituals are a sophisticated pageant, a symbolic dedication to the first god-emperor of their ancient mystery religion. Nimrod, the grandson of Noah, is seen in Genesis and in Chronicles. His hubris and downfall is told of in Genesis 11. 
is the earthly patriarch of the mystery religion, with Babylonian mythology describing him as a near godlike figure. The mythical tales of these pagan religions should be properly interpreted as the fractured understandings and retellings of this ancient rebellion against God. Another common motif amongst ancient religions, Zeus's rebellion against the Titans, Gilgamesh's war against the creator of the flood, etc. Pictured as an Egyptian hieroglyph, with a ritual offering of beheaded human sacrifices to serpents. The pyramids of old were not merely tombs as most historians conceive of. The voluminous inscriptions, meticulous layout, and secret chambers belie their true purpose. The pyramids were temples to self-proclaimed living gods, quote-unquote, shrines built by the pharaohs as a symbol of their divine power. The walls of these triangular temples were adorned with stories, spells, and rituals of the mystery religion. Much of the knowledge we have of Egyptian rituals and witchcraft was gleaned from these same hidden chambers, chambers that we continue to unveil and discover. Egyptian religious rituals, as far back as the 5th dynasty, included horrific ritual torture, cannibalism, and human sacrifice. The idea of ingesting organs, body parts, or blood to gain power is a consistent theme we see across the ancient world. Nearly every continent and every people have engaged in this barbaric practice at some point. Inscribed upon the walls of the Pyramid of Unis, spells and rituals are chiseled across its inner chambers. These rituals are the basis upon which the Book of the Dead was started. Below is a sanitized yet still horrific list of the satanic rituals and spells practiced by the pharaoh-led mystery cults of old. I warn you still, even though this is a sanitized version, it is not for the faint of heart. These practices include, but are not limited to, beheading, drinking of human blood, scalping, eating of human intestines, eating of brains, human sacrifice, ritual torture, masturbation, sex magic, self-mutilation of genitalia, and washing in human blood. Firstborn virgin males were seen as particularly potent sacrifices in these rituals. The insanely evil rituals described above were expressly performed for the purpose of absorbing and obtaining the life force of the unwilling human sacrifice. We see these same rituals practiced in modern Satanism, the spiritual successor to the mystery religions of old. The Satanic Temple is suing several states to reinstate abortion under the grounds that it is a religious rite. I kid you not. Props to the demon worshippers. At least they are being honest that murdering and harvesting unborn children is part of their religion. Aleister Crowley echoes his sentiment in Book 4, Magic, stating, quote, The blood is the life. End quote. Despite what his proponents in modern sycophants might say, many of Crowley's own writings advocate these practices, as we see again in Liber Stellae Rubi Subfigura 66. Quote, also the altar shall fume before the master with incense that hath no smoke. That which is to be denied shall be denied. That which is to be trampled upon shall be trampled upon. 
that which is to be spat upon shall be spat upon. These things shall be burnt in the outer fire. And then again the master shall speak as he will soft words, and with music and what else he will bring forward the victim. Also he shall slay a young child upon the altar, and the blood shall cover the altar with perfume as of roses. Then shall the master appear as he should appear in his glory. End quote. Another common theme we see in these rituals is the forcible manifestation of one's will upon another person. Forcing a woman to leave her husband, seducing a potential lover, inducing terror and bodily harm, or forcing an enemy to kill themselves. These are just a smattering of the spells detailed in the esoteric tomes of old. These spells and alchemical concoctions were the first form of mind control utilized by the practitioners of the mystery religion, a practice which continues to this day. Quote, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12-13 through 13, quote. With the waning of the Church's influence upon our culture, we have seen the inevitable waxing of pagan powers to replace her. World War II saw an explosion in the open practice of the occult. The period was nothing less than a modern renaissance for witchcraft at the state level with its biggest proponents being the shadowy intelligence organizations. Poisoners, assassins, and spies have always been tied to the occult, so it's only natural these secular forces would find their way home. While knowledge of Hitler and the National Socialist elite's practice of the occult is more widespread, the Allies were just as guilty of dabbling in these dark practices themselves. Air Chief Marshal Lord Dowding is widely credited with saving England during the Battle of Britain. What is less known is how Lord Dowding consulted with mediums, psychics, and clairvoyants to thwart the German attacks. The Royal Air Force consorted with witches, diviners, and astrologers to maximize the success of bombing raids during the war. These occult British forces were deployed in direct opposition to German spellcraft. Britain's Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, was a prolific occultist, a high-level mason, an initiated druid, and a psychic. He utilized psychics and seers his entire life, placing great import in their portents. Churchill thought of himself as a psychic and was a high-level practitioner of the dark arts. He narrowly escaped death on multiple occasions due to these psychic promptings, dodging bombs and assassination attempts. Churchill openly associated himself with mediums and psychics his entire life, such as medium Helen Duncan. The man would also be instrumental in the effort that repealed the Witchcraft Act in England in 1951. The repeal would see the open practice of witchcraft in England for the first time in centuries. The untold occult history of Winston Churchill has to be one of the most glaring examples 
of the power these people have over the control of our discourse. These practices were integral to this man's life and worldview. Yet the mainstream narrative peddlers rarely divulge these facts. Their guilty consciences could not be more evident. Pictured as Sir Winston Churchill, a 33rd-degree Freemason, an initiated Druid, and an arch-occultist. The head of MI5, Maxwell Knight, was also a huge proponent of this occult warfare. Maxwell was determined to use any tool to defeat the Germans, no matter how heinous. He attended regular seances, some led by Aleister Crowley. Operation Cone of Power was one such ritual authorized under his auspices. Conducted in the dark of night, this witchcraft attack was aimed at Hitler in an attempt to void the thought of invasion from his mind. Gerald Gardner, British sorcerer and founder of Wicca, claimed in his magazine Witchcraft Today that this ritual thwarted the planned German invasion of England, as previous British witches and warlocks had done to Napoleon in 1805. Another occult attack in this vein was Operation Mistletoe, a ritual led by Aleister Crowley in 1941. Performed in the woods in the dark of night, effigies of German officers were burned, while British warlocks cast their invocations of chaos. The Beast took credit for Rudolf Hess's midnight solo flight over England, claiming his spellcraft had cloyed Hess's mind. Hess, with no warning to German high command or even a plan, left in the middle of the night and parachuted into England. He was determined, for some unfathomable reason, that he could sue for peace with England single-handedly. Rudolf Hess would die in prison in 1987. Pictured as Gerald Brossaw, Gardner, a 33rd-degree Freemason and initiated Druid, and the founder of Wicca. Quote, All warfare is based upon deception. Sun Tzu. End quote. After America's entry into World War II, reports of biological and chemical warfare trickled in from the Far East. Imperial Japan was reported to be conducting human experiments and engaging in biological warfare. There was a flurry of intel on the subject, including testing of biological weapons on the Chinese populace, charges that would later prove to be true. The Germans were dabbling in similar experiments under the auspices of the SS. America quickly joined this biological weapons race and has never looked back. In fact, she would wholly embrace these German and Japanese scientists after the war determined to not let them slip into Soviet hands. Conveniently left out of this government mythology is the fact that we had entirely created the Soviet military-industrial complex in the preceding years through the Lend-Lease program. Yet another fake boogeyman created by the regime in the vein of ISIS, Iran, Saddam Hussein, or the Taliban. After the end of the war, Project Paperclip made sure these scientists were brought back to America to continue their sordid and inhumane experiment. Scientists from Unit 731 and SS regiments were soon filling the ranks of government agencies like NASA, the DOD, and the CIA. Werner von Braun is one of the most prominent examples, but over 9,000 of these scientists were welcomed onto our shore and given titles of high renown. Their pasts erased. Their backgrounds whitewashed. 
all in order for these criminals to help develop the mind-controlling drugs and techniques of this budding form of modern warfare. These men's research would become the foundation for MKUltra. The program was a long-running and arguably still in operation CIA program that searched for the secrets to human consciousness. Officially, it ended in the early 1970s, lasting over two decades. Operation Shatter was the precursor to MKUltra, a joint CIA naval intelligence operation that experimented on inmates using mescaline and other drugs. With the creation of the CIA in 1947, these types of programs were brought under their auspices, eventually morphing into MKUltra in 1953. The first director of the CIA, Alan Dulles, was a high-level mason and occultist, a man proficient in the dark rites of the mystery religion. He searched for a fellow of like-minded interests to lead these budding journeys into the debasement of the human mind. On a hot Friday, July 13, 1951, Alan Dulles would hire Dr. Sidney Gottlieb to oversee the creation of a new clandestine unit. This unit operated in the first CIA black sites in Germany, torturing recalcitrant SS scientists into divulging their myriad secrets. After proving his mettle, Dr. Gottlieb would ultimately take the reins of MKUltra two years later. The Jewish scientist had a club foot and walked with a limp, a trait he shared with Dulles. Dubbed the Dark Sorcerer by his colleagues, Dr. Gottlieb was known to engage in witchcraft and occult rituals. The man was more than willing to dabble in the dark arts, to pierce the veil of human consciousness. For Dr. Gottlieb, there was no bridge too far in the defense of America. Quote, Killing is usually wrong, but where it involves the safety of the United States, it is permissible. The decision to kill is not one to take lightly, but once taken, it must be followed through. That is not the time to raise moral questions. End quote. One of the sub-projects of MKUltra was a program called MKOffen. It was the most diverse of the programs, involving mind-altering substances, incapacitating drugs, and black magic. Dr. Gottlieb employed a diverse cast of occult schools in the project. Astrologers, mystics, mediums, psychics, voodoo practitioners, sorcerers, witches, warlocks, and Satanists. MK often is the program responsible for the creation of heart attack serum and involved the testing of these lethal and mind-warping drugs on captive inmates. An area of intense interest to these malefic forces over the last 75 years has been remote viewing, the ability to scout locations using only one's mind. The use of this skill for spycraft should be immediately apparent. Dr. Gottlieb intensely studied the subject under M.K. Offen, and it was arguably the first serious American foray into the arena of psychic powers. The Soviets explored this area just as deeply, allegedly perfecting the technique, according to an intercepted transmission. After MK Ultra was disbanded, quote-unquote, these occult programs became even more compartmentalized, fracturing into a thousand sub-projects. While government sources pretend this practice ended with MKUltra, the intelligence agencies of this country would continue to openly pursue these remote viewing projects well into the 1990s.
Project Stargate, was the modern U.S. program that oversaw the psychic experiment, an umbrella operation that included numerous military, business, and civilian collaborators. Universities like Stanford and Princeton had entire departments devoted to the study of these psychic powers. Both the U.S. Navy and U.S. Army had psi warfare units devoted to the study of the phenomenon. The practice is perhaps most well-known in our day by its portrayal in Stranger Things, a masterful piece of desensitizing predictive programming. The character shown above, Eleven, is the secret child of an MKUltra victim. She is used by government scientists as a weapon in the Cold War, exactly like MK often. She is frequently shown utilizing sensory deprivation to enhance her powers. This is an actual practice used by size to heighten their power. Described in release documents, I have linked below. These release documents paint the picture that these experiments have ended, blue ribbon panels deeming them not worth the investments. These same documents also attest to a success rate of over 70% when utilizing these techniques in a laboratory setting. The intelligence apparatus's long infatuation with remote viewing, as well as their own empirical data, paints an entirely different picture than their hollow words. These projects have not ended at all. They have merely gone deeper underground as scrutiny has increased. Pictured is Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, the head of MKUltra. The creation of LSD is another direct result of these mind control programs. Albert Hoffman, the Swiss chemist who invented lysergic acid, was receiving grants from the U.S. Army during the time period he invented this drug in 1938. In other words, he was directly in the employ of the U.S. Army when he invented this drug. Gottlieb convinced Richard Helms, then deputy director of the CIA, to procure the entire world supply of LSD from Sandoz Laboratory. The agency was critical in creating, disseminating, and popularizing the drug. The hippie, LSD-fueled counterculture was nothing less than a wholesale invention of War Inc., a useful diversion of the anti-war sentiment bubbling up in America. Many of its leading figures, like Jim Morrison, had direct ties to the intelligence agencies. Let us recall John Lennon's infamous quote on the subject. Quote, We must always remember to thank the CIA and the Army for LSD. That's what people forget. They invented LSD to control people, and what they did was give us freedom. End quote. Freedom to turn on, tune in, drop out, and forget about all the ways the U.S. government was violating their minds, their bodies, and their world. The forces of evil have spent aeons perfecting these dark arts. As I will discuss in the next installment of this series, MKUltra was merely the culmination of this millennia-long project. The magnum opus of this dark religion, total control of the human mind, is almost upon us. The technology to fully read and control human minds is just around the corner, and in many ways, it's already here. While some might view these claims as fantastical, employees are already being forced to wear smart quote-unquote devices capable of reading their brainwaves and ascertaining their emotions. How long before truckers, UPS drivers, 
or Amazon workers, are forced to wear these devices as a term of their employment. As this technology progresses, the ability to decipher complex thoughts will be at the fingertips of the most demented people in world history. Watch the video embedded below, one of the most important videos you will watch in your entire life, and remove all doubt about how our alleged superiors plan to abuse this power. Most importantly, we must dismiss farcical notions of fending off some unhashed assault on our civilization. Our defeat happened long ago. The enemy of humanity has already won this battle. The techno-barbarians are already inside the gates. Until we politically separate ourselves and divorce our lands from this forsaken Masonic ideology, our political victories are at best rear-guard actions in the face of this onslaught on our free will. The regime's technological gulag, its mental prison camp, is nearly complete. The sooner you accept this fact, the sooner you can begin to formulate an actual plan to fight back. We have been purposely led into this dead end, socially engineered into modern slavery. Our thoughts, our feelings, our loves and our hates, the most private recesses of our mind, are about to be laid bare. If we do not awake to this fact, and soon, the trapdoor will shut upon us. We are in their kill box now. And it's time to break out. Quote, We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. William Casey, CIA Director, 1981-1987. End quote. Hello, everybody. I'm Nicholas Thompson. I'm the CEO of The Atlantic, and I will be your moderator today. We are going to have an incredible session. Star of the show is Nita Farahani. She is a futurist and legal ethicist at Duke. And she's so smart and so interesting. You're going to learn a ton. This is how it's going to work. We're going to watch a short video. She's going to come on stage and talk. And then we're going to do a little Q&A. Questions from the audience. And that'll be a wrap. And you'll leave enlightened and excited. So first off, a video. Uh, it's going to make you see the future and understand a wonderful future where we can use brainwaves, fight crime, be more productive, and find love. Let's roll. You're in the zone. Even you can't believe how productive you've been. Your memo is finished, your inbox is under control, and you're feeling sharper than you have in a decade. Sensing your joy, your playlist shifts to your favorite song, sending chills up your spine as the music begins to play. You glance at the program running in the background on your computer screen and notice a now familiar sight that appears whenever you're overloaded with pleasure your theta brainwave activity decreasing in the temporal regions of your brain. You mentally move the cursor to the left and scroll through your brain data over the past few hours. You can see your stress levels rising as the deadline to finish your memo approached, causing a peak in your beta brainwave activity right before an alert popped up, telling you to take a brain break. But what's that unusual change in your brain activity when you're asleep? It started earlier in the month. You send a text message to your doctor with a mental swipe of your cursor. Could you take a quick look at my brain data? Anything to worry about? 
your mind starts to wander to the new colleague on your team, whom you know you shouldn't be daydreaming about, given the policy against intra-office romance. But you can't help fantasizing just a little. But then you start to worry that your boss will notice your amorous feelings when she checks your brain activity and shift your attention back to the present. You breathe a sigh of relief when the email she sends you later that day congratulates you on your brain metrics from the past quarter, which have earned you another performance bonus. You head home, jamming to the music, with your work-issued brain-sensing earbuds still in. When you arrive at work the next day, a somber cloud has fallen over the office. Along with emails, text messages, and GPS location data, the government has subpoenaed employees' brainwave data from the past year. They have compelling evidence that one of your coworkers has committed massive wire fraud. Now, they're looking for his co-conspirators. You discover they are looking for synchronized brain activity between your coworker and the people he has been working with. While you know you're innocent of any crime, you've been secretly working with him on a new startup venture. Shaking, you remove your earbuds. <laughs> what do you think? Is it a future you're ready for? You may be surprised to learn that it's a future that has already arrived. Everything in that video that you just saw is based on technology that is already here today. <laughs>